Howdy, folks. <laughs> this is uh, Country Western Benjamin here, uh, and you're listening to Affable Chat. I'm here with the fastest gunslinger in the West, Joey the Kid. Hey, how how's, it, how's it going, partner? It's going great. <laughs> Today, we're talking about Unforgiven, a movie that was recommended to us by at the real C note on Twitter, Cody. Thanks for the uh, recommendation for the or for Unforgiven. Yes, uh, Unforgiven is a western directed by Clint Eastwood, and its cast includes such notable names as Dirty Harry, Red, Gene Hackman, James Wolvent, and Dumbledore. I watched this movie on YouTube. Joey, how did you watch it? I watched it on Amazon Video. Excellent. Uh, so yes, this was a recommendation. It is a Somewhat of a departure from the uh, movies we've done previous to this. I don't think we've done a Western yet or anything remotely I don't think Western. So, either. so um, yes, Joey, go ahead and hit us with that synopsis. Okay. Um, a man visits a town with a strict gun policy. Yes. And after some reflection on this movie, I've noticed how important the uh, strict gun policy is. It's <laughs> definitely an aspect of the antagonist in this movie that he's all about gun control, which uh, I'm sure Clint, that was not a mistake on, on the director's part. Clint Eastwood's mm. very upfront with his political beliefs. I see. Okay. Even back then, dude, the Second Amendment, you know what they say? Number two is number one. <laughs> <laughs> I have some socks that celebrate the Second Amendment. Really? They have a guy with a, who has like bare arms. Oh, like, excellent. Which is also legal. That's also illegal, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Let's send it. We can ask, tweet at Trump and ask him if those are legal as well. Where's my bare uh, arms? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> let's, let's get this going. Um, Joey, why don't we start off with your pros? What did you like about Unforgiven? We're going to mosey on down to the pros? Yes. Okay. Partner. Uh... <laughs> This is, a, this is a very affecting and methodical movie. It has this tone that's very consistent. And it's very slow, but uh, it's very engaging, too. Um, the story has this kind of moral implications of, like, murder, and um, it's just, the whole thing is just kind of depressing and disturbing in, like, a, a really, really interesting way. And I think the whole thing is just kind of beautiful, beautifully shot. It has this the homage to old westerns and the locations and everything, all of that is just awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, I, I really liked just the classic Western aspects of this movie. I mean, it's a Clint Eastwood Western, which I think is some of the most iconic Westerns you can have, uh, but it does subvert the genre, and obviously we'll go deeper into this idea, but it takes the country Western and kind of exposes it to uh, broad daylight and shows you really what's going on, shows you a, well, I say exposed to broad daylight, but it kind of shows you the darker, more realistic and true side of yeah. the Western hero, which I think is a really cool aspect of this movie. Um, also, uh, like you said, it's beautifully shot. This movie looks great in widescreen. Uh, it's just there's a lot of good horizon shots that really show off this, uh, you know, mi Western uh, environment that the movie is placed in, which has such an effect on obviously what's going on. It's 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 happening in the old West. That's kind of the the setting dictates a lot of the actions that the characters take, and they do a good job of displaying that for the viewer in a way that's really uh, impactful. Okay, so let's move on to our cons. And again, I'll I'll I will let you go first on this one, Joey. Okay. Um, I feel like this movie 
can't really be fully appreciated without a lot of context. Like, so like you just said, this is like it's subverting the Western like uh, genre. But like, as a person who doesn't really like a lot of like Westerns, um, I feel like this movie kind of explores that most in- the most interesting part of Westerns for me, which is that um, like the Western as a like a, a pinnacle of cinema. You know, there's a certain era where Westerns were a big thing and everyone everyone's obsessed with them. But it's 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 tough to talk about this movie without also bringing in that context and saying, oh, this is how Westerns normally play out. This is how things go about. And if you don't have that knowledge, then, um, you know, this, a lot of the stuff that goes that happens in this movie is kind of lost on you, I think, um, which, yeah, I, I'm not a huge fan of because, again, I don't like watching a lot of Westerns. So I feel like I'm missing a lot of pieces of this movie. I can kind of appreciate it for its subversive like value, but otherwise it's um, I feel like I'm missing a lot. Um, it doesn't stand on its own. And then the, there's the ending too, which I kind of want to get into. And I, I'm not sure if I, how I feel about this now, but um, at least when I was writing my cons, I felt like it was very vague and it kind of left you feeling like this kind of emptiness in it that was, that felt less like it was subverting the genre and more so like it was just not concluding the story, which maybe that's on purpose, but I don't know. Right. It, this movie is it's hard to really pin down the cons for me because mm-hmm. it is you, so much of the what could be considered bad aspects of this movie are potentially intentional, where it's not that they're a bad aspect of this movie, but it's more of like pointing out bad, a bad aspect of Westerns in general. Um, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of cliche Western stuff in here, which is necessary if you're going to subvert the genre. But you definitely it's still kind of cliche to have, you know, uh, two big gunslingers who this town ain't big enough for the two of us <laughs> kind of deal, which doesn't have they don't say that line. But you definitely could have put that line in the in here a couple of different times. Um, I agree with you that the ending is somewhat unclear, but I also think that there are some very clear things to take away. So maybe that's not a super great uh, criticism. Um, and again, the subversion, it just it's an asterisk beside every con because I think that the insuff- there's insufficient motivation for the characters to to embark on this quest. I mean, a thousand dollars probably is a lot of money out in the old West, but it's you hear tale of two guys who allegedly cut up some whores in a whorehouse in a Western wild Western civilization with no co- like good form <laughs> of communication, no way to verify that the story is even remotely true. It's just and the story keeps mouth. changing too. Right. And, and, you know, maybe that's how people live their lives back then. They would just stay in one spot for 10 years and then they'd hear news of something. And they're like, I've been here long enough. You know, I'm going to head off to Big Whiskey and see what the big <laughs> the big deal is. So I don't know. I like, But again, that could be a criticism of the genre as well to be like, you know, why yeah. would you why would yeah. you leave your family behind to embark on this adventure that like, logically doesn't make sense? So I don't know. Um, there's also some awkward dialogue in here that we'll, we'll dive into later. But again, it's hard to put the like it, you could also say it's a subversion <laughs> because Clint Eastwood is a very cool character and, and all of his characters are, have this really uh 
I don't know if aloof is the right word here, but you know, he's just always got the squinty eyed cool guy kind of thing going on. And they put him in some dialogue situations where he, he can't help, but kind of seem silly, but we'll dig deeper into that a little okay. bit later. Well, it, it sounds like you, there's nothing you didn't like about this movie. All these things you, you're like, Oh, I like this, but I didn't like this, but there's a reason for that. Like, well, how- it's because I didn't like it at the time. And then after I looked at the movie as a whole, I was like, oh, okay, I guess I can, oh, you know, well, you know, if you look at it this way kind of thing. So I don't know. There's, um, I I thought it was a pretty good movie overall. Uh, Most of the things that I I didn't like, I I think, again, are are kind of like a personal preference thing versus a legitimate criticism. But we'll we'll get into it. Let's, uh, I don't know. Okay. I want to, I just want to get back to this for a second, though. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. the, The purpose of like this section of like of us doing the review is to find something that we don't like, you know, to, to say, you know, this movie is good, but it's not perfect. Sure. So I'm challenging you to like, what was something that you really, that didn't stick with you? Like something that you didn't like and why, why isn't this movie perfect? Okay. Well, honestly, I'm not a huge fan of Westerns. Okay. I think that they're really, uh, again, don't have a lot of experience with them. So I'm not going to, I don't want to like blanket statement Western suck. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I feel the need to include these asterisks beside everything I say, but I, I think the movie is kind of slow pacing. Like, in, I was really committed to watching this movie because I wanted to do this podcast about it, but yeah. it definitely was a little bit of a trudge to go through two hours and 10 minutes of what essentially boils down to a few important plot points with a lot of like traveling and, uh, you know, more or less boring dialogue in between. Um, right. That's like interesting. Yeah, I mean, there, there were again, and there are things that maybe you realize are a lot more interesting on the second viewing, but on the first viewing, there are some things that really trudged along. I'll give you a good example. Okay. Was in, originally when they're around the campfire, and uh, I guess when Ned and uh, Will are trying to catch up with the, the Schofield kid, they're mm-hmm. sitting around the fire, and Will is reflecting on his prior life where he used to be a kind of a madman and, you know, shooting all these people. And yeah, the stuff he's talking about is dark, but I didn't really, it didn't hit me as impactfully as it did the second time I visited Mm. that scene where I realized just how impactful that stuff was on his life originally i'm just like eh. like when morgan freeman is like you was one crazy son of a gun i was like that's yeah. kind of funny and what i really should have been feeling was like dang this guy is a bad person you know right um so i guess maybe it, it's not as upfront but again i could put that on myself for not seeing it but if i if i'm gonna get one solid con in here <laughs> it's that it's just it, the movie kind of trudges along and it's a little bit yeah long. well i think that's i think that's interesting and i think that goes back to my point it's like this movie doesn't really like it doesn't work without context you know there's all that stuff it's like doesn't make sense and it's only when you kind of look back on it in the past retroactively or if you have the context of like other westerns or other Clint Eastwood movies even that you can really appreciate that and I feel like that's definitely like I don't know that's, that's like the reason why I don't like modern art right like modern art is for other artists and if you if your art only stands on the fact that other art exists then is it even great art well, I would argue that you can't express what this movie is trying to express without context. If okay. they, if, without the subversion or without the twist on the classic Western, this movie has no purpose. So mm. I agree that, yeah, maybe that's a, uh, you know, it's not for all audiences, much like modern art, but I think for what this movie is trying to do, it does it well. Um, but uh, let, let, let's get into it. Let's, let's, okay, okay. let's dive into the overall section. Uh, so I, 
I, I have an analogy for you, Joey, that I think okay. you're going to enjoy. I, I think you're <laughs> going to love this I hope so. analogy that I came up with. Because, uh, so I do if, like a good analogy. If, like, you know, fun, like Pixar or some animated movie, uh, something that's just really easy to watch and kind of fun uh, is like a fruity mixed drink, right? And if a, uh, a kind of raunchy comedy is a light beer, then what's, this, like, what's your raunchy comedy example? Like, I'll uh, give you Dodgeball, an okay. episode <laughs> that we've recently done. Or, uh, yep. well, if, the, if, that's what those, if those, <laughs> if that's what those two movies are, then this movie is a is a, a straight up glass of bourbon with okay. no ice. <laughs> it's just straight serious stuff the whole time, and you got to be a tough guy if you're gonna get through it. Okay, um, but more more specifically, this movie makes the case for um, basically Western heroes not necessarily being heroes, right. uh, but more of tortured, drunken madmen, uh, which really flips the whole image on its head. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I, I agree with that, and uh, I like your metaphor. Other than you're feeding your kids like fruity mixed drinks, like <laughs> I just found out, I, or I saw a ad that said, uh, "Don't let your like don't give like serve minors in your house because it's illegal. Like e- even if their parents are okay with it, it's still illegal to give minors drinks in your house. Like if they're not your kid." And I saw that on like a billboard that was like, don't be the cool parent. Don't have kids. Don't like, be a cool parent. You ever had that when you're growing up? Like your friend's parents were like, oh, no, you're, it's cool. As long as, as long as we supervise them, you know, it's like it, it's better that they drink here with us than than somewhere else. That's never happened to me. Well, I my parents never <laughs> let me go to those parties, but oh, okay. I definitely had friends <laughs> parents who were cool with. It. Yeah. Well, now the law is trying to crack down on that. Anyways, mm. that's not and the what billboards. This, yeah, <laughs> that's not what this is about at all. No, not at all. Okay, so for me, like as I mentioned earlier, this is a really dark and unrelenting tale. Um, and there's this emphasis on subverting the traditional Western, and it kind of leaves you guessing what's happening next. And there's this great line that um, I, I want to use right now, which is when um, uh, Clint Eastwood is dying in the, in the barn, and he's like, he's not, he's not actually going to die, but you, you think he's going to die. And he says, um, I've seen him dead. I seen the angel of death. I seen the reverend dead. He's got snake eyes. Oh well. Who's got snake eyes? It's the angel of death. I like this a lot because I was like the whole time I was like guessing who's gonna die. You know, oh Ned shows up and like ah oh, he's definitely gonna die. You know his kids are there and he he abandons them I'm like oh those kids are definitely dead. You know like <laughs> all this stuff is like oh all like there's gonna be some big twist at the end where like everyone's dead and, and all that kind of stuff. And there's there is kind of a little bit of that. Some a lot of people do die, but um, did you uh, really think he was gonna die though, Clint Eastwood? I like I I don't know. I was like man, he's gonna kill himself in his own movie. That would be pretty cool. I mean, yeah, I I didn't know what to expect, honestly. Like, usually I'm pretty good about this sort of thing, but this movie was like taking everything away. You know, it was saying, "Oh, everything you think you know about movies, everything you think you know about westerns, that's not happening. Something else is happening." That actually like, would be pretty pretty subversive pretty amazing twist to kill yeah. off the hero your main guy before he does anything really. Yeah. He like just like to, to hammer home how dangerous it is in the west, like <laughs> not to have like. <laughs> 
like he should have taken that drink of whiskey. Seriously, dude, nobody has the like the the cojones to do that in their movie. I would love to see. I mean, you could argue Game of Thrones kind of has the cojones to do it, uh, mm-hmm. but they have so many characters. Like, it would it be matter. crazy to have a movie like this where Clint Eastwood is very much the main character, and you just kill him off, and you make the side, <laughs> the supporting characters, like try to piece the rest of the movie together. It would be really ballsy to if they spend the rest of the movie being like, "Dang, if only he was still alive, oh, we would man. we'd be succeeding right now." And then they ultimately <laughs> just fail, all because the main character died like forty five minutes ago. Oh my god. Oh um, man, I think we're writing another movie right now mid podcast. I, like I feel like that must have happened somewhere. I that don't, has I don't to have a good example. I, I don't but, know, uh, but anyway. I, I that would be yeah, that'd be much more subversive. But this movie is pretty subversive. Yeah, but that I mean that's my that's the point. So I'm trying to make is like I didn't know what to expect, and I didn't know who was gonna die. I really did think the angel of death had snake eyes in that moment. So I, I was you know I was along for the ride, and it's, another aspect which you touched on a little bit, which is the dialogue, which I think is really interesting, and it kind of uh. It varies character to character. Like Clint Eastwood, uh, Clint's, uh, Clint's Eastwood, Clint's William is very melodramatic and poetic. Um, whereas like the kid, the Schofield kid is really straightforward and crass. And little Bill is very dramatic. He's full of flourish. He's, he's like a real showman, you know? He's up there and he kind of has this like, this flowery dialogue when he's addressing people in the town. He's, pr- he's putting on a performance. And I feel like this really fits with the characters, even though it's not consistent throughout. You know, it kind of hammers home exactly who they are. You know, uh, Clint Eastwood's character is really like out of place, out of almost out of time. You know, the way he speaks and everything isn't even doesn't even fit with the rest of the movie, and that's appropriate because he his character doesn't fit with the rest of this movie. He's like an ancient hero that does that's not supposed to exist anymore. I think that's pretty cool. I see that for sure, and and like who better to do it than Clint Eastwood, the guy who literally has played those guys in the past, exactly. I mean, that, that's what I want to talk about that later. But yeah, that's that's a big part of this is like saying, oh, this movie is a is uh, what happens to those old gunslingers when they become really old and then like they try to retire. Um, and yeah, I mean, let's go to the ending then. The ending is, is really unsatisfying for me, but I, I feel like it's more confusing than it is subversive. Like our protagonist gets away and goes on to live his life consequence free i mean it's kind of implied that he's this is a one-time thing that he comes back kills a couple guys and then he you know avenges his friend and then he's like gone and he's not doing it anymore Right. Well, he he avenges his friend, but he he got his friend killed essentially. Like this was yeah. like he dipped his toe back into the murder pool and was like, "Ah, it's still cold." <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. But like, okay, so you know, our protagonist lives and he, he gets to live his life. The, the antagonist is dead. Um, but you also know that our protagonist, our hero, is William, is like a really bad dude. Like your opinion of him changes as the movie goes on. You find out kind of more about, about him and like the stuff he's capable of. And you realize that like you shouldn't really be sympathizing with him. Um, and he, I mean, I'm, I'm just kind of confused by the ending. Like it, what, what are we supposed to take away with him just kind of getting away, even though we know that he's like, he doesn't deserve it. Well, that, like, that's part of it. I think that's actually a message in this movie that okay. we'll, we'll go over a little bit later, but I think that deserves isn't exactly, they want to show mm. you that you don't get what you deserve. Yeah. That's, nah, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, like, and then there's a the bad guy, right? Uh, which, yeah, I want, I want to talk about him right now. Uh, L- little Bill. Um, mm-hmm. He's supposed to be the antagonist. He's supposed to be the bad guy. And he, you kind of, 
it, he's interesting though, right? He he's um he feels like he's serving justice, but uh, I don't know. What do you think? Well, uh, you got to think about where he is. He's the sheriff yeah. in this remote western town where there's not a lot of people, and anyone who comes in the town could could potentially be the end of them. Right. So that's why he has to rule with an iron fist. I mean, it seems like the townspeople appreciate the the um, the law enforcement that he brings to the table, even if it's not perfect. The whores in the whorehouse obviously don't love the way that he, uh, you know, makes the, the the two guys pay their debt to society with, you know, instead of hanging them or doing any more bloodshed, as he says, he, he makes them pay back with horses. But right. it, he. In my opinion, he does a good job of enforcing the law in a lawless West. Right. I, yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, he kind of stands up for and uh, makes examples of the people that come into town. Like English Bob comes in, he doesn't listen to the rules. So he like totally wrecks them and he's out in the street, you know, kicking them in the face. Um, and like, I don't know, it seems like he's kind of brutal and everything. But like to your point, like he he has to be he has to be that like ruthless sadistic you know law abider i guess that's the wild west baby and it's not just that he's brutally enforcing the law like he is he's performing the law for everyone he has these so much grandeur in his presentation when he's enforcing the law he's showing that not only like not only is he like the law enforcement but he's like this like all powerful law enforcement, this person who can intimidate anyone, no matter who comes across their path. Yeah. Even the legendary English Bob. English Bob. Yeah. So I don't know, like taking away this movie, it is really depressing. And um, like after I was done, I felt like I was living my life ironically. Like I was, I was doing everything according to some sort of hidden script, you know, like I was done and I was like, what am I going to do? Like walk my dog, like some sort of dog owner. Like I don't, <laughs> or like mm, we're going to do record a podcast. Like I'm some sort of, you know, white guy on yeah, the internet. Of course. That's <laughs> what I do. I'm a white guy. I own a microphone. Obviously I have a podcast. It's so <laughs> cliche. Talk about movies on the internet. Yeah. It's, and it's about <laughs> movies too. Of course it's about <laughs> movies. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I just like, I don't know. It just kind of gives you this weird feeling and I don't like dwelling on it. That's another thing. It's like, I feel I often get kind of get upset with people that are like, "Oh, I hated that movie. It made me feel so sad." I'm like, "That's the point. You're feeling the emotion they wanted yes. you to feel." Yes. You know, but that's how I feel about this movie. It's like I feel depressed and like I don't like thinking about this movie. <laughs> like, honestly, the more I think about this movie, the more I like it. Like yeah. I um let, let 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 me dive into a couple of my favorite characters and uh, talk about how I think that they help to boost this movie so english okay. bob we find out he's like this trash talking murdering uh quick gunslinger who's riding the train towards big whiskey and the way we're introduced to him is he's trying to goad somebody into pulling their gun so that he can shoot them right and instead of actually shooting them they have a shootout where they shoot quail off the train which mm-hmm. how convenient is it that there were like so many quail next to the train for them to shoot at i don't know how i feel like quails would hear a train coming a long way off and not be that close but that's just no idea i have no (laughs) idea i've never hunted for quail but english bob proves that he's a gunslinger by shooting way more than that other guy so he's got respect right Mm -hmm. um but he's also foreign bigoted because he's known for shooting chinamen on the trains like that's how he (laughs) passes the time is by shooting chinamen 
Um, what does that even mean? Like, <laughs> right? I I, well, I assume that. It, yeah, I don't even know. Why would they be? Because I know that the uh, there's a lot of like. I think it was Chinese that came to the United States to help build the uh, transcontinental railroad. They were like coming from the West. That's a nice way of putting it, but <laughs> yeah. Well, right. I guess they didn't come. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. This isn't a history lesson, which also I'm sure that you could criticize this movie for historical inaccuracy, but I'm not well versed enough to be able to mount those criticisms. Podcast. Yeah. Um, but anyways, he is this bad guy. He's he has totally not like i mentioned he's foreign he not only is he for he's foreign he's like totally disrespectful about the united states he always like he has this whole spiel that he can't stop going out going on and on about <laughs> about how like you wouldn't be able to shoot at royalty because like you'd be overcome with how the awe of of royalty or the majesty of royalty but why not shoot the president right and like <laughs> what is what a silly thing to say in the west and like i know he says that kind of in private just to the barber but he also is just kind of talking about this stuff out like, loud on he's the totally trolling right he's totally like trying to like just like that one guy said in the train it's like he's trying to get a reaction so that he has a shoot ex- like an excuse to tell a more elaborate story you know? yes like, like like he has a biographer with him and the biographer's like he's like putting on a show he's like oh you know, I go to that guy into pulling his gun and I shot him first. Yeah, you know, like, like no one's faster than English Bob. English Bob. He's like out there and he's like totally manipulating fools and, you know, all that. So, well, yeah, I mean, you bring up my next point, which is that he's kind of vain. He mm. brings around like he he knows that he's kind of legendary and he's making sure that it's documented, which I'm not going to hate on him f- for because maybe I mean, maybe he deserves some sort of documentation, but it does seem a little bit vain to bring... They don't make a case for it, you know? They say that he doesn't, really. Yeah. Well, yeah, and they, they later try to disprove that, um, which, I don't know, it's kind of inconsistent because I feel like you wouldn't last that long if you couldn't at least do something with your gun, but he definitely embellishes the truth. Like, he he takes a situation where maybe he lucked out and makes it seem like it was all skill, uh, yeah. which makes him a liar. Uh, but he's, <laughs> we, he, he's also... Um, I feel like this isn't really the point that I'm trying to get across here is that he's kind of immediately the villain, right? You can right. see it coming. English Bob is going to big whiskey. He's going to, you know, mess things up. Then will money is going to show up. This town ain't big enough for the two of us. And right, then, right. and then they're going to have a he's shootout sort of scuffle. Yeah. Right. And then by, and then, you know, little bill is going to pin the star, the sheriff star on will at the end of the movie when he saves the day and saves the town. Um, yeah. but that totally doesn't happen because little bill is not the sheriff that you think he is. Well, he's not the sheriff that you might expect in this movie. He's totally tough. He's brutal. And he's a way more, he's more of a bad man than English Bob is, but for sure he take you know, yeah. he, he disarms Bob and then totally beats the crap out of him and then embarrasses him inside the jail. Like, totally takes this guy english bob who was kind of built up to be at the very least at the vision of a bad guy and and decimates him and throws him out of the movie completely uh <laughs> so you don't even see him again i was actually reading some like the critical response to this movie on wikipedia yeah. and that was like one of the big marks against this movie that english bob seemingly was pointless coming in and coming out but i totally disagree english bob was there to build up little bill english bob was supposed to come in and look like one of these bad guys from the west and then just get totally crunched like an empty soda can <laughs> when little bill decides to to inflict his wrath upon him so i think little i mean not little bob <laughs> english bob <laughs> definitely serves his role in yeah, giving well, us a better little bill 
I think I think there's that's definitely true. But I also think uh, you touched on it earlier too, is that he's built up to be the villain, and then that's subverted, just like everything else in this movie. Yes, you know, like you, I didn't notice it the first, when I watched it, but talking when you said it just now, I I recognize it, you're exactly right. The everything that he does is set up so he's the antagonist. He's like he's kind of charismatic and like swashbuckling and everything, but he's like a bad guy. You want you want to root against him. You want to see him lose. But you don't want really to see him lose so bad that he gets beat up in the street and like kicked as he's when he's unarmed. He literally, know? yeah, he literally can't fight back. He gets yeah. his guns taken away, uh, which is that that whole scene though, that exchange between them, between him and Little Bill, I thought was like uh, that was good, like country or not country western tough talk. You know, mm. it was kind of a verbal jousting. But obviously, yeah, Little yeah, Bill yeah. had the upper hand because he had all the guns pointed at him. So, um, what well, which and you could, Bob should have pulled out his wand. Well, <laughs> yeah, he should have. Um, one of the things that you could say about little bill in that situation is that he's kind of a coward because he always has his guys behind him always pointing it's never a fair fight with little bill but that's why he's still the sheriff that's why he's not dead this is what real (laughs) law enforcement looks like he's not taking any chances for honor or anything he's little bill he's in charge and he's going to make you submit um Which, so let's get a little bit onto him. Obviously, we've talked about he's tough, he's brutal, he's an enforcer, he's a leader, and he's a a showman. He's a good, he's good at presenting who he is, which uh, is, you, you, it's a little bit of, he's taking a page out of uh, Batman's book. Because to truly enforce (laughs) the law in this town, he has to carry with him more than just a gun. He has to be the embodiment of law enforcement, of law and order, uh, because there's all these, the, the idea of having someone like him like that is more powerful than just one man. Yeah. So he, yeah. he kind of that's carries the point. That. Like he's sending a message, right? Right. Um, and then so furthermore, uh, he uh, he he's self-reliant, but he also has like this brand new house that he's built that yeah. turns out to be all leaky and stuff. But he's kind of like too proud to uh, to even admit that there's a problem. Like he t- totally takes offense to the the writer when he like mentions he's like, well, you should you should like be mad at the carpenter yeah, for hanging the carpenter. Hey, yeah, <laughs> yeah, hang the carpenter. And he like kind of gets mad. Luckily, someone <laughs> knocks on the door right after that. Um, but moving forward, just to, to kind of encapsulate little Bill, he he didn't deserve to die the way he did. And I think it's part of yeah. the subversion of this movie to make him the antagonist. Because if you look at everything he did, yeah, maybe he's a little bit cruel, but I think that you can justify all of his actions. And at the end of the day, having our protagonist kill this guy doesn't feel like you're really vanquishing a villain. Not at all. I mean, that's the whole thing. This whole movie is unfair and unsettling. You know, there's no, there's no justice. There's no karma. The, pe- the person that deserves it the least is the one that uh, gets away. Yeah, and I really like that. I really like that aspect of this movie. And, and honestly, the, the longer I've taken to look back and really analyze this movie and, and question the parts of it that I didn't like, the more I'm realizing that I like it, that I actually, okay. there's a reason behind <laughs> the things I didn't like. Um, okay, moving forward, a couple of things that I just want to bring up and talk about. Um, so before that, like, w- there's a scene where we see all of like the deputies loading their guns together. And, uh, yeah. and one of them shows up, he's only got one arm and he sits down and he unloads a lo- previously loaded gun and reloads it himself. And they're like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm not getting shot because someone loaded my gun wrong or something. That guy definitely has two arms. Like, <laughs> he looks he looks like a guy who put his arm in his shirt. And it was just, I, I don't know. I, I just thought it was uh, interesting they couldn't find a guy with one arm to play the one-armed guy role. 
Nobody wanted to cut off their arm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, I don't know. one doesn't pay that well. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I guess amputees maybe weren't in really big into acting in 1992. I don't know. It just the thing know. is, I get why it was included is to show the brutality of the West and how right. being a deputy means that you're putting your life on the line every single time you go out there to do it. But this guy looked like he had his his arm in his shirt. So I was like, <laughs> why is this idiot got his arm in his shirt? I don't know. So another one that I thought was worth appreciating was um, there is one guy in the town who's just like really fat and they just <laughs> they just always refer to him as the fat guy. Like in the at the end when Will is like in the bar and he's asking who owns the bar and like nobody says anything. He, he turns like you fat man speak up. <laughs> Fatty. <laughs> yeah. And like earlier in the movie too they're like alright so they already killed one of the guys at the bar T. Fatty you go up there and play defense while we like yeah. go search out these assassins and he's he doesn't even go like whoa 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 dude a little harsh he's like <laughs> he's like all right then you know i'm off i'm i'm the fatty that's my name <laughs> that's you said fatty i'm on my way like <laughs> i just thought it was uh is interesting they also call the skinny guy skinny but um i feel like that was more of his name i did not catch that like he was just skinny i mean he's a skinny you know? guy he looks kind of skin and bones he's a tall lanky skinny dude he was kind of lanky i guess Okay. And they call him skinny. So, you know, I'm sure I'm surprised they didn't call uh, Morgan Freeman like brownie or like dark guy or something, which yeah, actually well, let me bring know, that, that up. Was, that was interesting. They, did, they never bring that up. They like never the bring up. Yeah. That's interesting, isn't it? I don't dude. Again, every time we sit down to record a <laughs> podcast that has anything to do with history, even remotely, I just expose how ignorant I am. Like, well, I, have I don't no, know. Like, I have no idea what the slavery situation was in like the Western times. I also heard this. I read something recently, just like uh, a few minutes ago, that was about how there's no like positive women role models in this movie. Yeah, and they're all. They're, I mean, they're all prostitutes, and like how that was. I'm not sure if that's a controversial or or what, but it was it was interesting because it's kind of showing, like I I feel like it's showing like a different aspect of the West that you normally wouldn't see, and like in a in a period of time like even in 1992 there was a kind of a focus on like showing women in a positive light, right? Like making sure you're not like objectifying all your all your women characters. Like this movie like makes that very clear. They give them they give them a lot of agency and they give them a lot of power in this movie. But they also don't show them in any sort of positions of power, which is, you know, maybe more accurate. I don't know. Kind of interesting. I don't know either, but I definitely think it goes along with kind of the Western uh, cliche to have a whorehouse above the bar, right? That's like a yeah. very, uh, I mean, Westworld has that. It's, it's a very <laughs> normal, I think, like Western thing. The, th the only thing we were missing was another like thing that Westworld plays off of is like the, the farm girl who's really beautiful, who the, the oh, lead right. falls in love with. I thought and, you were going to say the player piano. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Maybe they could need the piano as well. But um, that, you know, it, it's, I think that it's just another, it's part of the genre is to have mm. women be whores in these small towns. <laughs> and uh, it's how they make a living, I guess. World's oldest profession. Sure. Um, okay. So let's let's keep this thing rolling, and now we're on to our quotable moments, and I'll go ahead and hit you with the first one. Ned, you remember that drover I shot through the mouth, and his teeth came out the back of his head? I think about him now and again. He didn't do anything to deserve to get shot. 
At least nothing I could remember when I sobered up. He was one crazy son bitch, Will. And I, I kind of actually touched on this a little bit earlier, but this scene, uh, I, I think it's important because it, it kind of plays with the idea that uh, he was a bad person back in the day and w people were just kind of okay with it. But it's also kind of exploring the really dark side of it where w Will can't even remember why he blasted this guy to death. Yeah. And he, he he's like obviously feeling bad about it de a decade later or over a decade later um which is starting to at this point in the movie this is still like only 30 minutes in it's starting to unearth what this movie is really trying to show us right and i think it's so interesting how like the schofield kid has all these stories and he's like oh he's like he, he really romanticizes will especially but will is like really trying to forget Every, like everybody in this movie like english bob and the schofield kid they kind of play up their violence and and so like how they're like heroes because they're like villains, right? Like, I killed five guys, you know? But, like, Will, who's done terrible things, done far ter more worse things than kill five guys, um, is, like, so ashamed of everything he's done. You know, he's on the other side. And, and he knows what it's really like to have that, to do that, and how much it changes you and how much it, it affects you. I mean, he has a quote in there, speaking of him not remembering, says, I can't remember. I was too drunk at the time. I was drunk most of the time. Which is, um, yeah, it's, it's like a sad thing to say. Like, it's, it's really not the is. macho thing you want to hear. But it's also a, like a low-key flex. He's like, <laughs> I was like killing people. I was one of the best at killing, and I wasn't even like sober. Like, I was drunk and killing guys who were trying their best. I don't think this was to take away from that. <laughs> He's like, I'm flex, but okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, it, 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 I, I don't know. I, I, this one stuck with me part partially because it starts, you start to reveal just exactly what we're, they're going for with the will money character, but also, yeah. um, Morgan Freeman's delivery is great. Um, and I'm, I'm always, I always love hearing his voice. Uh, <laughs> okay. Moving this, moving right along here. This next quote is from English Bob and it's just my favorite sequence of sentences that comes out of his mouth because he's he's a great orator so I'll, I'll let you listen to that well there's a dignity and royalty a majesty which precludes the likelihood of assassination uh, now if you were to point a pistol at a king or a queen your hands would shake as though folded oh, i wouldn't point no pistol at nobody sir oh that's a wise policy a wise policy but if you did i can assure you if you did that the sight of royalty would cause you to dismiss all thoughts of bloodshed right. and you would stand, uh, how shall I put it, uh, in awe. Mm. Now, a president. Well, I mean, why not shoot the president? <laughs> yeah, and, and obviously this, this, that last line gets a really big reaction, or a silent reaction, but a facial expression from the yeah, barber yeah, yeah. who's like, wow, did he really... Did this guy, did this bloke just say that? Isn't that like one that? of the only things you can't say? Like, how you want, like, isn't, like, it's not like I want to shoot the president. It's something more like saying specifically how you want to shoot the president. I think, yeah, like there's that. definitely something where you can't threaten the president or in some yeah. way. Um, like, very specifically. Yeah, I'm sure if you tweeted, if, if English Bob had a Twitter account, he'd be banned real quick. <laughs> 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 uh, 
I, uh, I don't know what that means. It's <laughs> like more about him or about today. At English Bob 360. Like, <laughs> 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 anyways, um, I just wanted to, I just wanted to reflect on this line because I think it's great. And I'm, I'm, I was sad to see English Bob depart so early and never come back, even though he kind mm-hmm. of was, uh, like a cheeky bloke. He, he definitely, yeah. I mean, he serves his purpose. Yeah. He's Dumbledore. Uh, he does serve his purpose. Definitely. But I, uh, I could have used a couple more anti, uh, presidential lines just cause he delivers them so well. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, okay. Moving right along. Uh, one of my cons was that I think, well, it's again it was one of my mixed cons but okay. uh, <laughs> it was that they put clint eastwood in kind of these like awkward situations where he can't be the cool guy it's like impossible to be the cool guy so i'll let you i'll play these three clips um and then we'll discuss after so hey will you ever go into town on occasion sell a hog pick up supplies no no i mean <clears throat> i mean get yourself a woman or something no. no, I never go into town for that. A man like me? Only one a man like me could get is one he'd have to pay for. It. That ain't right, buying flesh. Claudia, I can rest her soul, would never want me doing something like that. Me being a father-in-law. So, you, you just use your hand? Some big fella, he really kicked the hell out of me. I must look unlike you now. You don't look nothing like me, mister. Sure he's ripe. Yeah, gonna get a lot riper. (laughs) I picked these three out. I think there's probably more. But mm-hmm. they just show a very unglamorous side of being like that main hero. Like nobody, yeah. nobody wants to think like if you're trying to portray your protagonist as this, uh, you know, heroic figure, you're not going to have a scene where he talks about whether or not he masturbates. Right. Yeah. Or <laughs> or or having him say to a, a damsel in distress that like oh i i got so beat up that i must look like you now right there's there's never going to be a slip of the tongue you know everything you say is going to be like a if you're a western a classic western hero right you're everything you say is going to be right right to the point yes. you know it's going to have this double entendre that's like really deep and meaningful yep it's not going to be like Oh, I said the, I said something that I said the first thing that came to my head, and that was definitely the wrong thing to say. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and th- that, those never happen, right? They always know just what yeah. to say. They're the hero, but in this movie, that's not the case. And and it's yeah. not. I would say it's not thrown out there in a way that it's super obvious. It almost is just played really deadpan. So you have to be like, wait, did he just say that? Is like, that a, is that a joke or yeah? Yeah, it's like, are they doing that on purpose or is it just because initially I thought I was like, oh, I had groaned. I'm like, oh my god, that was terrible. Why? Did did that just happen but again at once i kind of realized what was going on i felt like oh that's actually pretty good like the the third one is when they're staking out for the assassination remember this movie is about assassins they're going out because they're skilled killers who are trying to get the cash prize but you when you envision i would argue that in this scene they are ass assassins nice nice (laughs) (laughs) 
Because yeah, they say it's pretty ripe, and uh, that's definitely not what you think of when you think when you see like the killers staking it out. Is that they're going to yeah. be near the outhouse, and they're like, "Boy, it sure is stinky over here," <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, which is essentially what they say. So I, I, I uh, originally something I didn't like, but after I realized the purpose, I, I, I think that those lines of dialogue are pretty important. Yeah, well, not just like what they say but like the fact that they're staking out an outhouse you know that's that's not a glamorous look for your hero oh yeah you know it's like really taking advantage of your fellow man um in a way that's like i don't know it makes you feel dirty it makes you feel like they don't deserve it even though they definitely don't well yeah i mean this whole movie makes you doubt all of the western stories because it's like what if they just did some dirty trick to kill them and then invented yeah. a story around it to make it sound exactly cool? like well, why not yeah why, why not? not in fact yeah there's no there's no uh camera phones back in the old west nobody yeah. can world star this you can just make up whatever story you want and now you're a, you're a western legend i mean that's that's almost probably exactly what happened and that's why we have the stories that we do but okay, i i have these in a certain order but i want to want to jump to my last one okay um i don't deserve this to die like this i was building a house and I've already mentioned this a few times, but I mean, this line really kind of exemplifies the entire movie and like the ending, especially you have Will and he's, um, you know, he, he rides off into the distance into the sunset with his kids and he like escapes scot-free. Um, and like of all the people that deserve to, to die, it's probably him. It's not little Bill. It's definitely not Ned, you know? It's it's not those other guys, other deputies in the, in the bar. You know, Will Money is is the bad guy. Uh, you know, by any traditional standards, and like the guy, um, you know, Davy Boy. Davy Boy gets shot in the gut and he bleeds out like tragically. Like he doesn't deserve it either. Deserves got nothing to do with it. That's right. God. No, it's so Chilling. huge, and and it's it's like one of the more gut wrenching scenes from the movie because again, you're oh my you're, god, okay, yeah, that was not on purpose, <laughs> but it was <laughs> that is that is the scene I'm talking about is the Davy Boy assassination scene because you're going into this with kind of a you're on board with the killing. You want to see yeah. your heroes get the kills and get the money. That's the point, right? But this scene is is hard to watch. Davy Boy, especially since they build up Davy Boy, and they they show him as so sympathetic, you know. Yes, especially early in the movie. Yeah, he he definitely doesn't seem like he like did the crime that they're here yeah. to punish him for, right? He was there. His friend did the crime, but I would I I don't know if you could really pin that one on Davy Boy. But that's just the the law of the West, right? There's money on his head, and that money someone wants to collect on it. But, like, even that scene itself is just horrible. Like, Morgan Freeman can't bring himself to even pull the trigger. He rode all this way just to realize that it, it, what killing is. And he's, he's yeah. not a killer anymore. Yeah, it's, it's horrifying, you know? And it's just, like, and like you, you can see, like, the... I don't know. It's, it's just really interesting, I mean, re revisiting that, right? Seeing how Clint Eastwood's character, how William just kind of, like... He, he kind of has a little bit of empathy and he like lets him get some water and everything but at the same time he's just so cold about it you know he's like i'm here to kill people and that's what i'm gonna do there's there's no like remorse there there's no like hesitation it's what it, yeah it, it's truly it is kind of is the legend of will money right like yeah. it's a guy who can feel remorse but is still a cold savage killer regardless definitely because yeah, I mean, that's what gives him his power at least that's what bill's uh, little bill's argument is right is that he is 
he's so cool and collected under pressure that uh, he'll never miss. Right. I mean, but even then, he doesn't, he's not very accurate from far away, just talking about the Davy Boy killing. It's just yeah. slow and drawn out, not glamorous at all, definitely not worth telling in a story. And it's just. Yeah. Well, okay. That brings me to my next quote. Okay. You ready? It don't seem real. I ain't gonna never breathe again, ever. How he's dead. And the other one, too. All on account of pulling the trigger. It's a hell of a thing, killing a man. You take away all he's got, and all he's ever gonna have. Yeah, I, I, this, this quote is so... Um, uh, it's it is gut wrenching to use your terminology. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, it's it kind of brings this idea of murder to like the forefront and like really makes you stare at it. You know, it, the old westerns and, and even this movie kind of almost um celebrates murder, almost shows you like oh the, the the celebration of violence. And there's like this there's like this kind of cliche about like American cinema, especially of how it glorifies cinema uh, glorifies violence. And how like violence is even more accessible than something like nudity, you know, in our in our ratings and everything. And this movie is like, yeah, no, that's that's not cool. Like, people dying is like the worst thing that can happen. You take away all he's got and all he's ever going to have. I mean, we're, we the audience is kind of the Schofield kid. Like, we we kind of have yeah. the same perspective where we spend the whole movie kind of anticipating the killing. And, and being like, this is what we're here for. And as soon as we see it, we wish we could unsee it. We put, pull it back. Um, and, and I don't feel like this movie goes over the top with maybe the, the gory details, but it's just the idea itself of murder, the senseless violence and, and ending a life uh, that they make it seem so unappealing that you, f- you regret ever feeling like you wanted to see it. Yeah. Uh, it's the most powerful part of this movie. Definitely. And, uh, and uh, I mean, it's, it's the part of the movie where we finally see Will after all the, all of the waiting or like pushing away the alcohol. He finally takes a, takes a swig once he learns he has to take on, yeah. avenge his boy, Ned. And I want to like, uh, like I was, I went back and like rewatched that, that one part and he, he, he starts drinking as soon as, uh, what's her name? Starts saying his name as soon as she says William Money. That's when he takes the first drink. He's like he's remind he's brought fully back into the world that he finally left behind. Yes. Well, yeah, he thought he left behind, right? And it turns out he's right back into it. That's the part where I feel like this movie becomes. Um, uh, this is a connection with the cast that we put forward where he uh, played Red in uh, where Morgan Freeman played Red in. Um, the Shawshank Redemption. The Red Ned Redemption. The Red Ned Redemption is this part of the movie. And because uh, he's going in there, he's like, oh, you got my boy Ned. Now it's time that for me to, to, to slay everyone, to go full William Money. And, what uh, does he say? And shoot them all down. You just shot an unarmed man. Well, he should have armed himself. He's going to decorate his saloon with my friend. <laughs> That's a good line. I do like that one a lot. That's a good. And... Uh, but yeah, so it's that whole part is, I think, a really uh, obviously that's kind of the climax of the film. But it's it's a really exciting part of the movie where you uh, you finally see Will Money go full murder mode, which mm. you feel like you wanted at the beginning, and when you see it, you you find out you really feel sick. Want it. Yeah, but okay, yeah. Joey, I think you know what time it is. 
it is time for us to go a little deeper, 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 deeper. Okay, so the the we've kind of been circling this, but uh, let's like let's hit let's hammer it home. You know, all right then. Let's let's knock this out of the park. Um, so this movie is kind of the definition of the postmodern Western. And actually, I, I did a little bit of research. There's a term for this. It's called revisionist Western or anti-Western. It's a subversion, subgenre of the Western film that traces its roots back to the mid-1960s and early 1970s. And there's a couple of like interesting historical notes about this, such as there was a Supreme Court decision in 1952. Um, it was called Joseph Bernstein. Inc. versus Wilson, in which they um, ended a lot of film censorship, and they let a lot more stuff be shown on screen. So mm. this was kind of like a birth after that, showing like instead of all these you know uh, celebrations of the West, now we can show how the West really was. Ah, uh, okay, wow, it's interesting. So the so the the Wild West kind of has this romantic is like this long-standing romantic American fairy tale. Did you see that um, Netflix movie? That came out recently, um, the Coen Brothers one, the like Legend of Buster Scruggs or something. No, I didn't. Ballad of Buster Scruggs. That like, if you watch that, that's like a that's to me is a classic western. It's all the classic western things, um, and like, I mean, this is like the perfect example. Like, you know, only the only the toughest and the the quickest survive. It took a real man who was after more than just money. He stood for honor and for justice to really prosper in the West. Those with the quickest wits and the quickest fingers were the most respected. Be careful where you step, because you never know when a man will challenge you to a duel or a band of robbers will roll into town looking for the saloon. Very but nice. Like, that, that whole idea of like what, what the West was was never really true. And just like you said, like, uh, there's, there's a, kind of an incentive almost for them to lie in the history books about what really happened, because it makes them all look kind of more like romantic heroes. And... Like, you know, the Wild West was like really a tough environment. That's definitely true. And its inhabitants probably were miserable, but they, I mean, the way they survived was by sticking together and looking out for each other. They tried to, you know, live in harmony. They weren't any more reckless than people today. Right. Yeah. If, if you got, if you pulled out your gun every time you disagreed to someone at the saloon, everyone would be dead real quick. Yeah. Exactly. Every time. Yeah. There's not that many people and they all die from, you know, stupid things. Right. Yeah. Disease. Diseases and stuff. Just like Will Money's wife. Yeah. And like this, this movie um, looks at the aftermath of the Wild West, especially. And I mean, we'll talk about this too. But Clint Eastwood is kind of exemplifies that old version of the West perfectly. He used to be in a lot of westerns. He used to play like classic Western heroes. It's only appropriate that he plays a, you know, postmodern Western hero. He, he shows him, uh, he shows what would have happened if that guy grew old, basically. And, um. You know, all these people in the movie, Little Bill, English Bob, um, Willie Money, are trying to leave legacies and are trying to leave behind um, the life that they lived, but they can't seem to do it. They can't seem to change their stripes. Once a killer, always a killer. And they, they can't seem to be anything more than that. And, like, <laughs> this is kind of a funny example, but it reminds me of those guys from, like, Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter who have, like, guns for hands. <laughs> 
You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yes. So like every time I see one of those guys, I'm like, that, guy, that guy's life must be miserable. You know, how does he go home and cook dinner for himself? Like he like go he like goes out and fights t- to die. Like he's a gladiator and like his like body has been changed for combat. It's like that's so specific. That's like ten minutes out of your day, like <laughs> ten minutes out of your week. Like oh my God. what do you do the rest of the time? That you know? is a, I always feel so bad for that. That is a hilarious <laughs> way to look at like fighting characters who have like <laughs> battle appendages. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I feel like that's that's how I see these guys too. Yeah, like they 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 are built a certain way, and it's impossible for them to live normal lives. Well, it's it's kind of crazy too because uh, Will Money does everything he can to live that other life. It just, but is he even good at it? I mean, he ha- no. he has two. I mean, his wife dies, but it's seemingly not his fault. Um, and he has two kids that he, it seems like he's providing for, but. Um, he leaves them so he can go kill people. So yeah. that's pretty reckless. Also, when he's when he's tending to his pigs, he seems to fall down a lot. <laughs> well, like he's like kind of forgotten everything that he was too. I mean, he can't. He can barely shoot. He can barely ride his horse. He can barely get on the horse. You know, like all these things that he like left behind. And he thought he left behind for good. Just kind of like came out of nowhere, and well, now he's back. Yeah, in but it. what's the message there? Is he? Is it saying like he was almost out of there, but then he decided to you know go back, or was he 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 never could be good at anything but killing? I feel like the message is without his north star, without his wife guiding him and like encouraging him and telling him that he could be a better person, he is just inevitably going to fall again. He's going to become the person that he always is, the only person he always was. So the the message is find a good wife. I guess I think I think the message is more like you're helpless against your own nature. Can you imagine if this was this whole movie was just a marketing ploy for farmersonly.com? Oh <laughs> you don't have to be lonely at farmersonly.com. I don't even know what to like, say to that. He's <laughs> shooting a gun. <laughs> it's like this could all have been avoided if Will's wife just hadn't have died. <laughs> but okay, so we both kind of picked up on some of this postmodern stuff. So I feel like we should kind of go through and list a few yes, things. Yes, that- yeah. I mean, there's so many things in this movie that, like, once you list them out, you're like, oh, okay, they were really going for this whole thing. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the first off, the whole point of this journey is to kill the two guys who slashed up this this horse face. Really, it was just one of them, and the other guy just got kind of lumped in with them. So you're yeah. gonna murder two guys. And only one of them, you could even argue, des- like really deserves it. Um, and the guy who does deserve it gets killed on a like literally while he's taking a crap, which is yeah. a, such a terrible way to die. So like none <laughs> of the, none of this really like so far. You're like, why are we making a movie about this? Um, like they, they, our assassins aren't good at killing. We yeah. you see the beginning. Clint Eastwood can't even hit the can with his pistol. Ned can't even bring himself to pull the trigger, and the Schofield kid is blind. He's nearsighted. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, the, there's like the whole thing with uh, just like you're saying, like the gunfights and stuff like there's they're full of screaming and slow dying. Yeah, there's not like there's no romanticism to that. There's no honor to any of that. Sure. Or like or like the showdown with the sheriff, but the sheriff just kicks his ass. Yeah. You know, like that's not the way things are supposed to play out. Right. It, it definitely doesn't bode well for like uh, putting it on a on a movie screen. Right. It doesn't seem like this is the type of story you'd traditionally be telling. Obviously, we're going right, right, right. We're going on and on here. But just a few more things like just remember, Will had to leave his young kids unattended just to be able to go on this uh, fruitless journey. He also like. 
Ned's wife got left behind and now he just disappears and dies. Who knows if yeah, she ever and, finds out. And Ned is like the only one who is like at all redeemable in this movie. And just like I said earlier, deserves got nothing to do with it. Yeah. You know, he's the one who dies. He's the one who gets tortured and killed the worst. Probably. Yeah. Definitely. The worst death goes to the guy who didn't do anything wrong, at least not in the last 10 years. Uh, yeah. The Schofield kid. He spends the whole movie lying about being this killer. And as soon as he gets one kill, he is you know he's got ptsd yeah he's damaged and now he's gonna start drinking and maybe be the next will money maybe that <laughs> he gets drunk and can't stop getting drunk and he's killing people and being drunk and being tortured like that forever the, the cycle continues will himself yeah. goes back to drinking which is not i guess maybe that's reconciled in the end when he goes to california and they say he lives a pretty you know straight and narrow life but still even the fact that he reached for the bottle at all is moving backwards right and uh the town like we said it, it, the uh, little bill is an imperfect antagonist because you are not necessarily solving anything by killing him if anything you're, yeah. you're plunging this small town into chaos because who's gonna take care who's gonna you know keep the riffraff out now so it seems like like 25 percent of the town dies <laughs> right yeah that too who's gonna who's gonna bury all those bodies and you know yeah. all this stuff so it's yeah, obvious. So again, yes, yeah, this whole postmodern Western where it's all, it's all bad news. Yeah, well, I mean, the, like the very first thing you see, right, is this guy, um, you know, slashing up the 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 whore in the whorehouse, and then that like leads to those guys dying, which leads to more people dying in in the town. You know, it's just like one bad action just spirals into like this uncontrollable wave of death until there's nobody left to kill. It's just. Yeah, and it's depressing. <laughs> it is, and I think it's what it's good execution of what I believe they're going for here. And I right. think, like you know, I'll tip my cowboy hat to Clint Eastwood. <laughs> well, speaking of Clint Eastwood, um, so he directs this movie as well as stars in it, um, and he's been like directing movies forever. Um, he, this movie, this is the movie he won an Oscar for for best director. And he was, this is the first movie he was nominated for, for best actor. Yeah, let me, let me run down quickly, just while we're on this topic. This movie won best picture, best director, uh, which obviously both went to Clint Eastwood, best supporting mm. actor, Gene Hackman, and uh, also nice. best film editing to Joel Cox. Um, outside of the Academy, the BAFTA Awards, you know what that is? Nope. Well, anyways, Gene Hackman won best supporting actor there. And um, at the Golden Globes, Clint Eastwood won... Best director and Gene Hackman also took home best supporting actor. Gene Hackman, obviously, never heard of those either. Little Bill, <laughs> um, and I think he definitely deserved it. Little Bill is great in this movie. Gene Hackman is great in this movie. Yeah, yeah, he really is good. Um, yeah. So Clint Eastwood. So it's always interesting seeing a like a director actor, right? And I always think it's amazing, like how much work must go into like being on both sides of the camera for, like that. It's got to be so like tiring and everything but um it also kind of gives this example like it kind of gives this uh, opportunity to portray yourself as like really self-important like only i can portray this awesome character that i will make look super awesome um which like i don't know i feel like there needs to be some sort of um self-deprecation some like kind of uh self-awareness there and i feel like a, like a an actor director does as well as woody allen Woody Allen puts himself in his own movies, but he doesn't make himself look like a good person. He doesn't make himself look like a hero. He barely makes himself look sympathetic. And like someone who, someone who does this wrong is Jason Segal. Have you ever seen, um, what's that movie called? 
forgetting uh, forgetting Sarah, Sarah Marshall. Marshall. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Like he is, like he directs and stars in that movie, but he makes himself look like he can't do anything wrong, and that he gets screwed over by these beautiful women. You know, like it's it's just a fluff piece, almost like literally <laughs> for him. <laughs> and it, and like even though he like shows himself being vulnerable and stuff, it's all just kind of a ploy to make himself look more sympathetic. You know, I like I I don't know I I don't like that movie because he he is so like um what's it he's so perfect I yeah he just he comes across as like the ultimate good guy all these other characters around him have major flaws and he stands above it all and is able to resolve the conflict in the best way so that he just looks like a like a genius nice guy which is yeah whatever man you know it's like the fact that you get to make that choice makes it a little bit less valuable i feel like adam sandler kind of does this in his movies too to Mm. a to a frustrating result for me um so yeah i totally know what you're talking about yeah so how do you like do you think clint eastwood does that in this movie or is he or is he doing something else is he more is he more woody allen or jason i would say definitely more woody allen and it's it's something that it actually kind of impressed me about clint eastwood because i've i'm not super uh experienced with his work i i haven't seen a lot of clint eastwood movies but i know enough about him like dirty harry right i thought he's just Mm going to be this bad mf like gunslinger who can do no wrong and always has the best lines but i mean like what like we talked about earlier he kind of makes himself look silly uh and and by putting himself the guy who's usually got all the answers the guy who's usually the like the big bad man with the 10 gallon hat instead he's making himself look weak and vulnerable and misguided and i think that that is you know that that shows a lot of uh i don't know ability he's 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 he can do more than just be the the perfect hero yeah and he but he does kind of have that moment at the end when he's like he is like the badass you know yes and he has and and i don't know i feel like that kind of undercuts it a little bit but i do think you're right for the most part he does make himself look kind of sympathetic in this movie he makes himself look weak and pathetic um and you know he's he's making all these choices that you don't agree with and by the end you're you're you feel very ambiguous very very gray about him you know because you kind of understand where he's coming from you kind of understand that he's trying but he doesn't seem to be trying very hard so. Well, yeah, I mean, you have other characters who say it out loud. They're like the one, Will Money, who killed women and children. You know, he they yeah. make no qualms about like. I could see in this movie even like if he just if they just focused on him being a bad dude, meaning he's killed people, because we've seen with our own eyes that even killing people that we understand are bad in some way still makes you a bad person. Like it, it doesn't. It, there's no satisfaction in these in these senseless murders. But to bring it to women and children, it's like, wow, you, you really like that's un unforgivable. For. Yeah. <laughs> unforgivable. Uh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and uh so yeah, and he applies that to his character. He I think he makes no uh you know, he 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 at no point is Clint Eastwood actually trying to get you to like Will Money. Yeah. Uh, but I, uh, what I think is interesting and notable is that it feels like only Clint Eastwood could make this movie and star in this movie. Yes. Because like William is kind of an extension of the characters he's played in other westerns. Like, is is William the reckoning of the misdeeds of past Clint Eastwood portrayals? I, I yes, mean, <laughs> I think. It seems, yes. It, I mean, it seems like it, right? And it's someone who's been on in the inside, you know, someone who's read all those scripts, who's played all these characters. They have a like a really good understanding of what the real consequences of stuff like this would be. So it makes sense for him to make a movie like this and to have this interesting perspective. 
you know well um and and to, and to take it to the next level and say like this guy isn't a good person we shouldn't be celebrating him well it's yeah you you said it perfectly like who better to show the flaws of the western hero than the western hero himself clint eastwood yeah it's not yeah. if you had done this you could probably get the same effect with a different actor but having clint eastwood adds that extra dimension where you're literally seeing the guy you've seen do it elsewhere exposed do it again <laughs> well, yeah but at this time you know he, he's showing it in a certain light so it's not just a different western it is the yeah. same western but with different results and uh and mm. i think that that's really powerful mm, like that, that he's clint, you know it's it's him <laughs> yeah it, d- it definitely feels personal and like his performance feels kind of natural in a way there's like this depth to william's character that, that you can only catch glimpses of um he, as this man is running from his past but he kind of gives up and stops running um, I don't know, like, this is, it's subtle, and I feel like just years and years of doing this kind of lend itself to that, to this kind of ultimate portrayal of this, you know, ultimate guy. I don't know, it's, it's interesting, and, and it definitely elevates the movie. I, I think that you could potentially catch this movie halfway through, like, on, on AMC or something, and if you don't know anything about it, you just be like, Dude, this movie sucks. Like, if you just catch it halfway through and you see these, like, terrible attempted, or, or, well, these terrible murders, and then that final shootout scene, you'd be like, wow, this, like, what the, what happened with this movie? Um, So, yeah, but I think that you would realize that because you'd see Clint Eastwood, you'd think it's just another classic Western, but it's so much, uh, it's something else completely. Um, So, my, uh, moving forward, I think that there's an important, it's important that we talk about the writer and uh, Mr. Okay. Beauchamp or Beauchamp, uh, however you say. Bo- Good old Bo. Yeah, Bo, the man himself. <laughs> uh, he is such a stooge in this movie. And, and I, I, I mean, one of the ones that's just so, I mean, he, throughout it, he looks like a coward, always cowering behind the strong man, whoever he's writing about next. But the, especially when he reaches into his bag to grab a book, but everyone thinks he's grabbing a gun, so they point at him. And then he just, his... He like dumps a bucket of piss on his shoe. <laughs> it's, it, You're really going after the prop department in this. Well, one. <laughs> he he just they they make this. It's not just like oh he wet his pants. Like did you notice? Like they're like look what a coward this guy is. <laughs> he let all of his piss out at once. He was so scared. <laughs> like <laughs> so obviously they make him a stooge, and I'm and I'm wondering why. Why do you think they they made the writer specifically? a stooge well because he's celebrating the classic western he's um you know he, like there's literally a part where little bill is reading the book the the duck of death which was like a, i thought that was pretty funny he's trolling uh, how he, yeah definitely um but he's reading it and laughing at how, how ridiculous it is and that's i mean i think that's the writer's point of his uh, purpose in this movie i mean he is you know celebrating what westerns used to be and like this classic, these classic tales of gunslingers and antiheroes and stuff, and and little Bill and you know, the rest of the movie is like, nah, that's not how this works. This isn't this isn't realistic at all. Um, yeah, I I don't know. What do you think? Well, it's yeah, little Bill is the perfect critic for this book. His little Bill yeah. has definitely seen it. And he's done it. You know, he was there literally for parts of the book. <laughs> so it's um. Yeah, I like that answer a lot. He he is the personification of the what is being criticized in this movie is this kind of yeah. glorifying of the violent west and and he 
obviously is made to look like a fool because that's kind of what this movie is trying to tell us is that those things are really unrealistic and, and almost silly. Almost uh, almost as silly as uh, pissing an entire bucket onto your foot all at once. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that wraps up our, uh, our conversation. Did you have anything else on this movie, Joey? No, I got nothing else. All right. I'm trying to leave it. I'm trying to leave it behind. Sure. You know? Yes. I'm trying to leave this, this movie behind. I'm, uh, I, wanna, I don't want it to sneak up on me again. <laughs> you know, I don't want it to come and run it over the sunset on a horse and saying, hey, Remember that movie, Unforgiven? <laughs> you want to do another podcast on it? You're just, I'm going to say, I'm going to say no. Well, maybe with my pigs. <laughs> they may be tougher than me, but I, I know where I place. I know what I've done. And then I'll be in the background. Hey, Pa, the pigs got the fever again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. And then I'll reconsider. Yeah. <laughs> and then you'll reconsider. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay. Um, now we're onto the ratings, and uh, that was a pretty good one there, Joey. That was a good joke. Um, I I want you to give us your rating first. Okay. Um, I give this movie an empty bottle of whiskey full of mud and rainwater. Mm. Only a, only a <laughs> tough guy can could drink something down like that. Um, I give this movie uh, a brand new cabin built out of brand new fresh wood. Um. But once it starts raining, you realize there's a whole lot of leaks in that roof. Nice. <laughs> I like that. Okay. So that was it. That was Unforgiven. And uh, shout outs once again at The Real C Note. Cody, click clack. Thanks for sending us that uh, movie submission, my guy. Um, hope everything's cool with you. What's next, Joey? What are we talking about next week? Uh, the next movie we're doing is How the Grinch Stole Christmas That's from 1966. That's right, 1966. The people voted, and we heard your voice. Uh, we're going to be That's talking right. about that one. Oh, I was a little disappointed that we didn't get uh, Jingle All the Way, because I, I love talking about Arnold. You know how much I love talking <laughs> about Arnold. Uh, but I, I'll just have to watch that one in my own privacy, keep my thoughts to myself. Um, but, <laughs> but okay, I think that does it. So um, for uh, Root and Toot and Affable Chat, I'm Benjamin. And I'm going to mosey on out here. I'm Joey. Thanks for listening, partner. <laughs> oh, God, that was bad. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Affable Chat. We're available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We would really appreciate it. If you have a question, comment, or want to request something for us to talk about, you can reach us at our Twitter account, at AffableChat, or our email, affablechat at gmail.com. Once again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.